practicing things like soft skills, like good communication, whether it might be needs-based communication or, you know, working in self-awareness, working in empathy, those take you to some vulnerable places where you have to recognize where you haven't done things so well in the past and where you start to recognize, oh, there's, there's relationships that I have where I need to use some of these skills to talk about some really hard things. Right. And, and that's scary. It's much easier to just keep on keeping on. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Insert Human. Thank you, as always, for listening to me and listening to my wonderful guests. And today we have another wonderful guest, a woman by the name of Danae Johnson, who I met very serendipitously I think through LinkedIn, how did we meet? Uh, somebody refer, or you reached out to me or? Yeah, we had a connection in common and I listened to a couple of your podcasts and was intrigued. So I just sent an email saying, hey, what's up? There you go. Would you like to chat? So Dane is a culture and change consultant for a company called Sweet Rush, which another friend of mine, Ashley Monday, uh, works for. And actually, before we get into the topic of today, which is soft skills, you want to give us like two minutes on what Sweet Rush is all about? Do you mind doing that? Sure. Um, yeah. So I am part of the team at Sweet Rush that's called Thrive by Sweet Rush, and we focus on cultural transformation in organizations um, at a comprehensive level. And obviously, a part of that is leadership development, which is where more of my area of expertise is. Sweet Rush as a whole is a... Um, they, they started as a custom learning firm and they do amazing work in all types of custom learning, which is nice. It, it creates a nice compliment for the work we do in helping to set strategy around culture and then being able to fulfill some of the um, suggestions that we put forth around training and learning. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful organization. We've been completely distributed for about 15 years. So wow. I had COVID, a COVID. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that was actually a blessing for us to be able to be helpful to our clients in a new and different way when COVID hit and helping them make that transition. Sure, that's great. So Danae and I, I don't know, a month or so ago, we're having a conversation about something and we ended up talking about the thing called soft skills. And in my work as a humanist, globalist, innovator, uh, provocateur, I suppose, of sorts, this topic of soft skills is really of interest to me because I believe, which if anybody's listened to my stuff, that at the end of the day, our capacity to understand one another, to communicate with one another, to feel one another, to have empathy for one another, it's the most critical capacity we could we could have, and it and it impacts everything from marriages to uh, mergers and acquisitions. 
Um, and so I asked Dana if she would come on the show to, to talk with me about it. And her first reaction was, well, I don't, I, I'm not an expert. And I'm like, nobody's an expert. I mean, I think one of the wonders of certain aspects of our existence is nobody can claim they know the answers. And so the point of the next half hour or so is for she and I just to kick around what this soft skill thing means, might mean, and how do we, how do we want to think about it moving forward? How do we as managers, as leaders, or just as husbands and wives, as partners, as parents, how do we contemplate uh, supporting the development of soft skills based on, I think, an increasingly shared belief that they're really important. So let's start with the what appears to be a soft cup ball question, but actually it's a hard ball, is what are they? Recognizing that there's no absolute universal definition. Like in your, in your view, Dane, what is a soft skill? Sure. So to me, um, the, the soft skills are uh, tactical things and practices that you can engage in that help you understand yourself better. That's a, a cornerstone. It helps you, they help you empathize with others. Um, and make clear assessments of certain situations. They really help you build relationships, navigate relationships, navigate your own emotions. Um, building these skills, they help us to be more connected and open. Um, another couple of skills that I think get overlooked in the soft skill set is creativity and curiosity. They're less talked about as soft skills, but they are soft skills and incredibly valuable soft skills. Um, especially in the type of work that we, that a lot of us do today. I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, are they skills? Are they abilities? You know, some people have more natural inclination toward them, but they are in fact skills because you can build them, you can practice them. But I think the goal in practicing these skills is to bring you into a new mode of being so that, you know, as you cognitively practice them in your daily life, some of that cognition, um, becomes unnecessary and it becomes more automatic and you're just, you're not practicing them. It's just kind of the way that it's just how you are. It's the way mm -hmm. that you're being. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm toying with the idea of, of uh, framing them as ways of being with, with the clients that I work with, as opposed to skills per se. So there's something in there that I just want to call out, which is, um, and I see this in, in many aspects of the examination of the way humans are is that there are certain dimensions of our being that are perceived to be genetically determined. And it's like, it's like the nature versus nurture argument. And, and, and so there are certain capacities, and I'm struggling for what the right noun is, that we have that some people perceive as, well, you're just creative or you're not. And, and I think in the soft skill genre, there's, I think, some perception that you have them or you don't. But, but what's interesting about that is the word skill implies you can develop it. It's not like, right? So how do you, how do you think about sort of, like, is creativity teachable? Or, you know, are the soft skills that you think of the list of soft skills all, in fact, teachable skills? I absolutely think so. I think that um, some of us do have more of an inclination toward them, but the the more that you can open up and learn about them and practice them, um, 
the, the better you can get at them. And the key though, is being open to that. And, um, and some people don't, they find it very uncomfortable, so they'll resist. Um, and, and some people love it. They get into this and they're like, oh yeah, you know, they typically have a more natural inclination toward it. Um, but then they really enjoy expanding and building those strengths. Um, but you can, as long as you're willing to, um, get a little uncomfortable, uh, as is learning anything new can be uncomfortable, right? Because we want to be, we want to walk into the room as experts. This is why I kind of cringed at the thought of doing this podcast at first, because I don't <laughs> consider myself an expert. Um, but as long as you're willing to, to go to that place of discomfort, you can build these capacities. Let's just, let's just poke at that a little bit more um, because I, I completely subscribe to what you just said. And uh, my big, uh, my big news is I've had a, uh, a Nikon camera for, Gosh, probably 15 years, beautiful camera with, you know, the 300 millimeter lens. And with the advent of the iPhone, I stopped using it. And then two nights ago, for whatever reason, I pulled it out of the closet and um, charged the battery. And Kate and I are going on vacation on Saturday. So I'm like, let's we'll take the camera. And, um, but then I did something that I've never done before. I started reading the manual. Because I realized as I was looking at the camera that I've owned for 15 years that I'd never learned how to use it, really. I mean, the beauty of a lot of technologies, you can use it and get value out of it, but not actually know how to use it. But in that moment, I had the maturity and the courage to declare that I didn't know how to do it. And I then had the courage to open up the manual and start reading it. So, right, like that's just a, mm -hmm. it's a silly little version of what you just said, which is so many times in our life when we see this, this opportunity to grow our capacities, we just hesitate for, for yeah, I guess for fear of being found out or fear of not being able to learn it. So if you try to learn and you fail, then you're a failure. If you don't try to learn, then you can't fail. And therefore you're not a failure. You know, is that what's going mm -hmm. on there? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think a little bit. And I think that the practicing things like soft skills, like good communication, whether it might be needs-based communication or, you know, working in self-awareness, working in empathy, those take you to some vulnerable places where you have to recognize where you haven't done things so well in the past and where you start to recognize, oh, there's there's relationships that I have where I need to use some of these skills to talk about some really hard things. Right. And, and that's scary. It's much easier to just keep on keeping on right. in whatever it is you're doing. So I think that, you know, the idea of uh, learning and getting better at these particular set of skills can be even a little more scary than yeah. say trying to learn to play an instrument or yeah, I mean, I think about it in my, my own life uh, as a partner and in my interactions with my wife and how I approach those interactions to result in the, the, the best outcome, which is not necessarily the one that serves me. You know, it's the one that serves us. And that going into those conversations requires premeditation 
in the conversation requires self-examination, obviously requires active listening, processing, not jumping to conclusions, you know, grounded, even keeled, whatever analysis, and then gentle commentary and conclusion to result in, you know, like, and you, you, you juxtapose what I just said with what happens most of the time. No premeditation, you know, no calculation, no self-examination, act, marginal active, you know, like, no wonder the shit flies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because it's something that I've um, taken notice of recently and it even came up today. I'm, t- I'm participating in a, um, a workshop around conscious leadership with a small group of wonderful people. And we are, you know, leadership consultants and coaches. And these are, these are things that we're learning to help our clients and that we want to do in our work, but it's so hard to apply um, in your personal life. A lot of times, like I, I think about how my partner, Matt and I engage and I'm like, I find myself doing the exact opposite thing of what I would coach a client to do. And I'm not sure why that happens, but um, for me, I find it even more difficult to practice it in my personal relationships than I do in my working relationships. Um, well, part, I think part, part of that might be, I wrote, I think, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote a book called this is it. And uh, it's basically a story of like how I, how I be, how I learned to be me and the journey. And one of the things I arrived at is um, this idea that it's much harder to be more. uh, And it's easier in, in some regards, it's easier to connect with strangers than it is to connect with loved ones because in connecting with loved ones, there's fear of loss. That if, 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 if I tell you the truth, it might, it might come back on me in some terrible way. Whereas if I tell a stranger the truth, even if it's the gentle truth, the potential costs are, are limited, you know? And so I think, I think the irony is applying some of the stuff to the people we care about the most actually is harder because there's risk. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's like a sad, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad statement, I suppose. Um, so one of the things you and I talked about a month ago, and just, I think we should just acknowledge it today is this silly thing that these soft skills are called soft when they're really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why do you, I mean, I, I'm no historian, but why do you think the world end up calling these things soft? Yeah. And I think that is, um, I don't know for sure, but my guess would be um, simply that they're hard to measure. They're more qualitative than quantitative. You know, the hard technical skills you can easily measure. You can easily see how they're impacting performance, individual performance, organizational performance. Um, And these skills are a lot of times people have a hard time even explicitly defining them. It's something that you know it when you see it or you know it when you feel it even even more accurately, I right, would say. Right. But um, but it's it's not as um, concrete right. as a hard skill. Right. Um, so I, I think that it's that that's probably where it came from. Yeah. And do you 
in business, I mean, you, you mentioned you do a lot of leadership consulting. It, it, is soft skill development sort of an explicit part of the quote unquote curriculum or uh, is that part of corporate development uh, lexicon these days? I've, I've been sort of out of the corporate world for a while. It should be. Um, and I think it is. Um, I think a lot of people have taken to have taken issue with the um, idea of calling them soft skills because they are in fact hard, but they're hard in a difficult way in a, in a more complex way. And, and at first I kind of jumped on the bandwagon of don't call them soft skills, call them real skills or human skills, human or, skills, life skills or real world skills. skills. Right, right, yeah, right, right. There's a whole litany of alternatives floating around out there. Mm -hmm. um, but the more that I think about it, um, I don't think that we need to worry about calling them soft skills. And I, I want to give credit to a woman that I heard on a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. Her name was Dara Blumenthal. And when someone asked her opinion on what they should be called, she basically said, I don't care. What's the goal of labeling them? And she pointed out the fact that we're so challenged by the word soft goes to show how far free we, how far we are from just being our, you know, full whole human mm. selves. Mm. Um, and I, I think I about, I was listening to the podcast alone doing dishes or something. And I about stopped what I was doing and cheered her on, but um, that really hit home for me because we have such a negative or connotation or we have such a, um, a tendency to cringe when we hear the word soft. Um, but these skills are soft. They're about softening ourselves, you know, and embracing that humanness. And I think um, she's right. The real issue is that we we don't like the idea of being soft. But I think what we need and what the world needs more of is soft. Is it possible that whatever you call it is actually us just trying to get back to the way we, we really are? Like, is it possible that the world has beaten the softness out of us and implicitly or explicitly declared, you know, hard and quantitative and material consequence and, you know, set basically presented a whole nother set of measures of, of, of accomplishment, of value exchange, of uh, even connection that in a, I'm, I'm, I'm theorizing, I have no idea. But like, mm -hmm. is it possible we're just trying to get back to what is actually innate, but we've lost it along the way? You know, like the capacity to listen. It, it, is it that we didn't have it or that we've, you know, like life has beaten it out of us? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question and something to ponder for sure. Um, like you just said, getting I, back to our humanness implies, well, that. That, that by getting back to our humanness, when we get there, we will be better listeners. We will be better, have more empathy. Like, I mean, if you, if you consider the human condition without the fetters of responsibility, of, of worry about the future, concerns for health, concerns for others, and you just go to the sort of pure state, theoretically, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, caring, considerate, uh, collaborative. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine said to me the other day, the nature of man is caring. Not man, humans, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you should, it, it, it may be, it, that may be possible. Yeah. What's occurring to me is, you know, set aside um, love and connection and empathy and just think about the soft skills of curiosity and creativity. And as children, yeah, we are naturally that way. Right. We're innately curious and creative. And that does get driven out of us in the way that yeah. um, we're raised and the, what the school system asks of us and the way we become achievement oriented in a more individualistic society. And, you know, so maybe there is something um, aligned there with the other soft skills. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So you mentioned school. This is also another area that I spend a lot of time contemplating the, the education system. And I actually refer to it as the human development system, which includes the formal system, K-12, higher ed, and then the informal system of what is happening at home, in the community, church, synagogue, grandmas, whatever. And one of my, I guess, questions is how, how well is that system doing in terms of soft skill development. You know, if we sit here today and say that the human condition, the future of humankind is tied to, in part, to the ability of people to to collaborate, to connect with people, to support each other, to help each other, to understand each other, learn from each other, then soft skills are critical. And then you go, well, does the system, is the system imbuing them with those skills? Dan, you have a you have a point of view on that? Are you? You know, this is an area where I um, lack the um, experience to really speak to. I don't have children myself. I'm far removed from elementary, middle, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, though, that this is just as you know, corporations are putting a bit, beginning to put a bit more emphasis on soft skills, um, colleges and universities are going there too. My, my first really in-depth, um, foray into this type of work and leading and training around soft skills, uh, was when I was serving as an adjunct professor at Bradley university, I taught a course called interpersonal effectiveness and organizations, and it was out of the business college and Mm. they required it for both, both business majors and minors. So I was working with, engineering majors, health science majors, communication majors. And we focused totally, it was more of a facilitation than a lecture course. There were a lot of um, self-assessments, team building activities. It was focused on emotional intelligence, team dynamics, communication, conflict, all the things that um, you need to be aware of and need to learn about in order to be effective in the context of an organization and working with other people. And that was a really cool experience because I was working with most of them were sophomores and juniors. I would occasionally have a freshman or a senior. And, you know, a lot of them had heard of emotional intelligence before, um, but they didn't know, you know, it had never been addressed explicitly with them. Mm -hmm. And when they realized like, oh, wow, these are things that I can learn about myself and learn about other people that are going to make me more effective, not just in my professional life, not just in my career, but also, you know, a lot of them, I would say the most of them started coming up with when they were asked to think of examples or think about times where they want to 
apply this. It was in their personal lives. Right. Um, so that was really cool. And I know like Yale has a center for emotional intelligence and UC Berkeley has a, the greater good science center, which puts out a yeah. lot of good research around these themes. So there's a movement there. Um, but I cannot speak to the, the lower levels of the education yeah. system. Although I think there's some interesting things being called out and happening into, you know, how do we educate our kids and how do we support them and hold them as, human beings and right. not just, we're not just building cogs to put into a machine. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I said to somebody recently that if, I think if you do a word cloud on, on the world over the last 12 months, the word human may not be the biggest word, but it's one of the bigger words. And I think if you compared that to five years ago, it would, it would be very different. Like in the work For I sure. do, which is all about human. For sure. I'm just blown away at how many conversations I'm having with different kinds of people about bringing more humanity into the center of everything, including, including the education system. Um, And I think if you don't mind a point on that, I think it's important to point that out. And I think it's great that we are thinking a lot more about human and humanity and being whole humans. But I also think it's very important to be intentional in how we use it so that it doesn't become just another buzzword mm. and people can slap it on, you know, kind of like innovation, you know, 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, you know, what is it? What does it really mean? And how are we using it? Why are we using it in this way? And are we embodying it? If right. we're going to be talking about it, are we going to walk our talk? Yes, I love that. And it's consistent with, I'm writing this second book called uh, Technology is Dead. And it's basically an examination of technological innovation and its impact on humankind, both the dark and the light, mostly dark. And then the, the last part is the solution part. Like, what do we do about it? How do we become more active stewards, not just of technology, but of the world that we've created? And and the question I start the final section with is, what is our intention? And then what's kind of crazy, if you look at the definitions of human progress going back, you know, tens, hundreds of years even, it has tended to correlate with longevity. That progress means more people live longer. And it's about that one dimensional. Mm. And only recently have there been new indices emerging, one out of the UN that is looking at well-being. Mm-hmm. And happiness is another one. You know, I think well-being and happiness are sort of cousins to each other. Um, but so, yeah, so the, I think the good thing is, yeah, to, a buzzword would be obviously a bad thing. A good thing would be more and more people recognizing or accepting, embracing the intention of a collective evolution towards a more uh a a greater state of well-being for more 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 people um i want to wrap up with um one of the things i try to do on the show is ask my guests to conclude with a couple of practical tidbits action steps whatever And, and maybe going back to your adjunct professorship you know, as you, as you think about the listeners and they're sitting there going, you know, my soft skills are a little, a little rusty. Um, I definitely see how I could, you know, I could be better at this stuff in my personal life, professionally, as a leader, as a manager, whatever the context. 
Are there one or two that if you were them that you would say, you know, the thing I would do is I would start focusing on like listening or, or like, is there, is there a, uh, a ranking or a, is there a top three or, and maybe not if the um, answer is no, don't worry about it. It, it, it. I'm just curious if you have sort of, you know, I don't know that you can rank the importance of the various soft skills because that, that depends on the situation that you're in. Right. Um, but I think a great place to start and maybe a place that doesn't feel as um, risky is to start with curiosity, start getting curious about the subject. So maybe you start to do a little bit more reading and a little more investigation on various soft skills and how you develop them. Um, start to get curious about yourself. Where are mm -hmm. you finding challenges in your relationship? Um, when do these things crop up and, and developing that awareness mm -hmm. um, and getting curious about other people and, and watching interactions between other people. And if there's a, a person that you feel demonstrates soft skills in a really great way, you know, getting curious about what is that actually, what am I seeing that indicates to me that they are skilled in empathy or in listening or whatever it might be. So um, getting to a place of curiosity um, and around the topic, and then also openness to, to taking in the information, to taking in the alternate perspectives to, to, and then to trying ultimately to trying some, to do things in a different way. I love, I love, I love both of those. Um, arguably they're overlapping circles. Um, and it triggers for me, uh, I, was, I was working on a, I'm giving a talk in September at a company and they want me to talk about change and it's the top 40 leaders of the company. And really what they want me to do is to convince the top 40 leaders to change. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, one of the data sources I pulled up because I'm in, you know, I worked at Harvard for a few years. So I'm like, well, what does Harvard business school say about modern leadership? And so they polled the top professors at Harvard Business School and each one presented their number one attribute of a modern leader. And so there are six. And so on the slide uh, in my presentation, I have the six, the six things. And one of them is, is the idea of being open, open, open to change, open to ideas, you know. But I actually added the seventh because I'm contrarian and I'm, you know, two steps away from a pain in the ass. But my seventh is something you said, which is, I think you can be open to change outside yourself. I think the task is being open to change inside yourself, which requires looking at the truth of yourself. And I think that's the one that it's, it goes back to why we don't like to learn because we might fail and other people might think we might, we failed. It's that same dynamic, but I think, I think that might be the best, the best soft skill to develop is call it introspection, call it self-examination, call it looking in the mirror, you know, mm -hmm. the ability to connect with others, I think is partly predicated on the ability to first connect with yourself. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, for my, my life was a story of being completely disconnected from my truth. And, and because of that, I had a really hard time 
truly connecting with people. I mean, one of the measures of that is I could never remember anybody's name. I screwed up your name, but it's complicated. But 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 like literally, <laughs> but literally, like up until 10 years ago, if I met you at a cocktail party, the odds that I could remember your name were very low. And now I can remember. Like, I, you know, we were on vacation a few weeks ago and I can I can tell you the names of our Uber drivers, you know, like. It's really profound. So I, I think that's just a wonderful way maybe to wrap it up is 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 is, is the, the soft skill begins within or something, you know, it's like knowing you allows you to know others or something. I don't know. Yeah. Soften it into your experience. Yeah. Get a little bit softer with yourself so that you can be curious and open. Oh, I love that too, because part of why I didn't know myself back then was because I was afraid of seeing the truth. I, I didn't, I couldn't accept it because if I, if I saw it, it would, it, it would probably translate into failure. So this idea of being softer with yourself, a little more forgiving is, is, a, is wonderful and a wonderful way to wrap up. And thank you. You did great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, it just, um, that's what this program is all about. You know, it's just somebody said to me the other day, you know, Chris, your podcast, he's been on my show a couple, a couple times. His name is John Levy. And he said, it's the nicest compliment. He said, you're, they're very different because I'm on pod, he's on podcasts all the time. And I said, I, why are they different? He goes, because it's just a conversation. And I'm like, that's what I'm after. And that's what we did today. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. This was, this was a great time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons that are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.